All right, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, If you're using the Bibles provided in the pews, uh, we're going to be on page 763. Page 763. Also, just a heads up, we are going to read a couple uh, bigger chunks of of Scripture this morning, Uh, but that's that's good news, right? Because it's the Word of God, and uh, that's also less less of my own words, right? As hopefully, prayerfully, it's it's not my words, but it's his. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, and we're actually going to j- jump to chapter 2 and chapter 3. Um, and if you want to follow along, there are notes in the app, uh, North, Glid- North Goodland BC in the app store. If you want to pull that up, you can go under uh, the notes, and there's going to be notes where you can be able to follow along uh, as we go throughout this morning. So this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about whether or not, are we really the church? Are we really the church? And when I ask that question, really what I mean is, what are the expectations for the church? And I don't necessarily just mean our church, and this isn't like a kind of a taking an inventory or an audit of, are we North Goodland the church? Um, it's now, it is important for us as North Goodland. Okay. So are we the church? What, what are God's expectations? Now, if you've, you know, been to our church, North Goodland for, probably, you know, at least a month or more, you could probably tell me the kind of the order of how we do service, right? We come in, we have a song, we have, uh, we have announcements, offering, a couple more songs in the message. Uh, but that's not the right way. That's not the only way. That's, that we don't see that anywhere in the church that's, or in the Bible. That's just how we do our morning services here. Uh, but does our modern church... Um, resemble the church of the New Testament? And how are we able to tell whether or not it actually does? Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I spoke, we, I talked about how we should bring people to Jesus. And basically the conclusion that we got to is it's just as simple as bringing people to Jesus. We don't need to try to do anything extra. We don't need to try to, quote, spice up the gospel. We are just called to give people the message, bring people to Jesus. Uh, And that's kind of, uh, you know, there might be some kind of uh, similarities from what we talked about a couple weeks ago to a couple of things we talk about today. But that's really because the church is, the the purpose of the church is to advance the gospel. The purpose of the church is to bring people to Jesus. So there's going to be a couple things that maybe sound a little bit familiar. um, But really when it comes to uh, the church and how the church should look, and when we're going to, we're going to look at the, really the the forming and the beginning of the church and here in Acts. And just as a side note, the book of Acts is an amazing book. If you've never, you know, kind of read through it, just as reading just the book of Acts, reading uh, the entire book, it's, it's really an awesome, awesome book of just all the different ways that God was able to, to work in the people in the early church how the different ways that God moved in the early church, and even including what we're going to look at today, how he kind of started that. Um, but when we look at churches today, there's a lot of, I guess you could say, debate as to what's, how, how you should do it, right? Whether the music or even you know the lighting, what kind of programs do you have? There's different things that we kind of look at. And if I were to bring up that kind of topic of, all right, what should the church look like? Especially in America, we might kind of initially go to the surface level things, what I talked about already, how we do our service, you know, music, programs, and things that you have like that. But really, you should start way before that. We should start with the foundation of the church, which is Jesus. And not that those other things aren't, aren't good, right? We even talked about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, just so many amazing resources. We have Word of Life registration going on. That's an amazing ministry, uh, a ministry that, a program that we use here to help, again, advance the gospel, to train up young disciples as far as the children and the teens. Uh, that's an amazing ministry that we're able to partner with to fulfill the call of the church in advancing the gospel. Um, there's all kinds of different things. Uh, speaking of word of life, they're, like, they have, uh, we just got you know all our samples and I got a couple informational pages of different things that they offer. They have different podcasts that you can listen to as far as, you know, there was specifically a youth ministry podcast where it's a couple people who are in youth ministry and they just kind of sit and talk about different things that they've experienced. Um, but how they might run their youth ministry isn't how we need to run our youth ministry. How somebody might run their church isn't necessarily how we need to run our church. We can use these things to kind of go to and, and listen to and kind of 
sometimes just get feedback. Now, I know uh, sometimes just talking to somebody else in ministry uh, is is so awesome. One, for encouragement. Um, For myself, talking to other pastors, it's it's encouraging. Uh, But also just to almost kind of get a a different voice, right? Just to have a different voice from what what you always see, what's always in front of you. Be like, oh, I never really, you know, thought of it that way. But so these things aren't necessarily bad as long as, again, we're just using these tools, these uh, programs, these ministries as the vehicle to fulfill the call of the church being to advance the gospel and to, to make Christ known and to make disciples throughout the world. So as we go throughout this morning, really that's, that's all we're going to do is we're going to focus back at what, what was the early church because these were the people who they were literally started doing this right after Jesus left. And we're going to see that as we read this morning. But they started doing this. They started organizing things. And we're going to see that their foundation was fully rooted in, in God. It wasn't about themselves. It wasn't about any one individual person. It was all about them. And we're going to see that as they did that, the church grew. And that's another thing that, you know, especially nowadays and probably especially even more so in America, when we talk about the church growing, the first thing our minds go go to is numbers, right? How many people? But, and obviously we want as many people to come to know Christ, but the church growing is so much more than just numbers. It's how about the, the individual spiritual growth of everybody in the church. And so that idea of, of struggling and failing or, or succeeding in the church, again, needs to be defined by what God would define that as. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be looking at uh, the early church, the very beginnings of the church. And hopefully we'll, by, the, by the end of the morning, we'll have a good idea of not even just our churches in North Goodland. Um, just also, I, I don't, again, this isn't an audit, so I don't think that we're failing in these areas necessarily. Uh, but the church as a whole. Can we look at the church as a whole? Uh, are we doing what we need to be doing as a church? Because we also see as we read throughout the Bible, we read throughout the New Testament, that as Christians, we're also supposed to notice when somebody is basically speaking against the Bible. They're going against God's word. We're supposed to be able to tell the difference whether somebody is, is rooted in God's word or rooted in their own speaking. Uh, and we're also supposed to kind of call that out, right? We're supposed to speak the truth in love and let them know, hey, listen, this is not truth. This goes against God's word. And there's so many uh, uh, churches in the world today that on the surface, right, they look the part. They have everything down on the surface. But then when you start listening to what they're talking about, it actually, you know, maybe they cut some things out or some instances go completely against God's word. And so we need to be able to recognize that so that as the global church, we can make sure that we're doing what we should be doing uh, in following that mission. So, like I said, we're going to be starting in the book of Acts, chapter 1, and we're going to start out just by reading the first 11 verses here. So Acts chapter 11, in verse, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It says, The former treatise I have made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but await for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore came together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray real quick. Dear God, I just thank you one more, once again for, uh, 
for bringing us together this morning and just the amazing time of worship and fellowship that we've had and just praising you for, for all that you've done and for who you are, God. And I just pray that as we go into your word this morning, that again, you would speak through me, that it wouldn't be my own words. And God, that as we go through, through these first cha- three chapters of Acts, that we can look at the, the beginnings of the church and see where their mindsets were, what their focus was. And I pray that we as the church would align ourselves with that as well. I pray that as, as we go throughout this morning that we can uh, either understand for the first time, for those of us who might be new, uh, new believers, understand for the first time what our mission as the church is, or for those who, who've been uh, saved for many years and been a part of the church, kind of had a, a, a renewed passion to fulfill the mission that you've given the church. So God, I just pray as we continue to go throughout this morning, that you would just bless us with your word and with your truth, and that when we leave here, that we would be uh, so excited to live out that mission that you've given us as followers of you. Probably all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing that we see here in those first 11 verses in Acts chapter 1, we see, we get an idea of the leaders of the first church. Okay, and we're going to go a little bit into what these leaders of the first church did. But this is kind of where it started. This is where the leaders came from. Okay, these were the, the followers of Jesus that were there when he ascended into heaven. And in, in Acts 1 verse 8, we see the mission given. Right? It says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We also have what we call the Great Commission. That's Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, uh, where we kind of have uh, basically the same, you know, different wording, but the same mission that's given as to what we are supposed to do now that Jesus has ascended into heaven. What is it that we as followers of of Christ should be doing? So we see right here in verse 8, witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now this is, as well as Matthew 28, 19 and 20, is a passage that is, is taught, is preached many, many times. So I'm sure the, mo- the majority of us have probably heard how that kind of breaks down, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem is directly around us. The, the people that we have direct influence over, the people that we come in contact every day, whether that's family, friends, coworkers, people in our direct community, right? That's our Jerusalem. Uh, and then Judea is kind of, you know, expand a little further out geographically, a little bit of a bigger area. So if you want to think of, of our church, North Goodland, so, you know, Goodland Township, Emily City kind of area would be our Jerusalem. Let's say Lapeer County as a whole is our Judea. And then Samaria and the ends of the earth. Now, I, I find it interesting. Now, obviously, Jesus followers, specifically the, the disciples, they'd been with him for, you know, three years at this point. And so they had learned and probably uh, some of their mindsets had changed over time. But when he got to that part talking about Samaria, there was still probably a little bit of like a, maybe not necessarily a cringe, but like a hesitation, like we really got to do it there. Because if, if you know the background of the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't get along, right? That's why Jesus, in one of his parables, he had the, the good guy or the hero be the Samaritan, to kind of go in, in, the, in the face of how they felt about the Samaritans. Uh, but this idea of, of going to Samaria, these, these places that maybe you're not comfortable with going, these situations that you're not comfortable going to share the gospel with. And we talked about that when we talked about bringing people to Jesus. Sometimes that includes stepping out of our comfort zone. Well, that's what Samaria is to the Jews. That's outside of their comfort zone. But he's saying even there, even the place that you definitely do not want to go, the last place that you would want to be, that's where you need to do this. That's where you need to take the gospel and make disciples, even there. So Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So yeah, even once you go there, you think, okay, that's, you know, that's the final boss of Samaria, right? Uh, that's, what the, you know, that's the big bad place. I don't want to go there. Once I've gone there, I've done my job. No, it goes to the ends of the earth. Um, and so as we think about that, it, he really covers everything. And I love how, how Jesus did that. He covers everything. He could have just said, take it everywhere, okay? But the fact that he names specific areas, he, he's, he's really kind of, a lot of times when we read through the Gospels, we read through the New Testament, we see Jesus almost answering the disciples' questions before they ask it. And so this might be an, an example where he, he kind of knew that if he just said everywhere that they might be thinking, well, at least I don't have to go to Samaria, right? He didn't say anything about that. Well, no, he mentioned it. So I love how he kind of, but then that kind of flow chart of right around me, 
bigger, the area where I don't want to go, and then even beyond that to the ends of the earth. And we're able to do that, right, with missions, whether you're actually called to go into foreign missions or just as we as a church support missionaries around the world. We're going to have a couple here over the next couple weeks. But that's where we're called to do this. So this mission that is given is not just here in this building. It's not just here in our area. This mission is to be taken all throughout the world. And so that's really the idea that he's talking. Just begin with the community around you and work your way out. Now, moving on in Acts chapter 1, we're going to read verses 12 through 14. And we're going to see how the foundation of the church is being laid. Okay, the foundation of the church is laid in Acts 1, 12 through 14. It says, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. So basically a quick walk because on the Sabbath day they weren't supposed to travel you know, very far from their house. So a Sabbath day's journey, just a short walk from where they were to Jerusalem in verse 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zealous and Judas, the brother of James. Then all, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and married the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. So what I mean by the foundation, foundation being laid isn't the disciples and the other people that were here in the room with them. Yes, they were the people who were there at the beginning. They were the people who got, got the whole thing going once Jesus left, physically at least. They got the thing going. But the foundation that's being laid here is right there in verse 14. The leaders here in the church, specifically the disciples, they made clear the importance of prayer. They made very clear how important prayer was. They just got this message from Jesus. Jesus said, now you're going to be able to do this once the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then he went up, okay? And then they went a short walk, went into this upper room, and they got together and they prayed. Verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So they made very clear the importance of prayer, that that was the very first thing that they did. Okay, Because Jesus even told them, you're going to be able to do this because of the power of the Holy Ghost that's going to come upon you. And they acknowledged that. They understood that. They believed that, that the only way that we can do this is through the power of God. Now, we haven't received the Holy Ghost yet, so let's... let's access that power of God by going to him in prayer right away. So I love how the foundation, the very first thing they do after they get this mission is they don't sit down and they start brainstorming. Okay, how are we going to do this? How are we going to pull this off? What's the first step we need to do? Okay. And that's kind of, again, that's what we would do here in America. We would say, okay, what's the first step that we need to do? We need to start making a list of things we got to get, things we got to square away. We got to set up all these different aspects of how we're going to do the church. No, before they did any of that, they went to God in prayer. And that's what our foundation needs to be, not just as Christians. Yes, as Christians, that should be our foundation, is go to God in everything in prayer. But also as the church, that needs to be our foundation. We shouldn't do anything apart from prayer, right? We, we pray multiple times in our morning service. We've already prayed several times. Every service that we're here, we're praying. We have portions and services dedicated to prayer. A couple weeks ago, we had a service dedicated to prayer and praise. And it's so awesome just to be able to come together and worship God, praise him for who he is, spend time in prayer, thanking him for that. Uh, and just the, the focus on prayer. Everything that we do needs to be on prayer. Every, every week in the office, usually on Monday, sometimes we change it up depending on schedules. Every day in the office, myself, Pastor John and Kelsey, we get together and we, we have some time of prayer. Right, Just lifting things up in prayer, praying for things for the week to come or even you know, beyond that. But just making sure that everything that we're doing when we're, we're serving here in the church is, is based on prayer. When we have our board meetings, it's all based on, we, we start with prayer. We, we lift things up to him in prayer. And it's, it's so awesome to be able to serve with the board that we have. Every single one of them, you know, whether through prayer or just, just talking, they make it very clear that they, they don't want it to be their ideas and their plans that we do when we're, we're working and serving in the church. It's all of his plans. And how do we do that? We do that by starting with prayer, making prayer the foundation. That's what they did here. That is the foundation that we are to build the church on, right? Because obviously Jesus is the whole focal point of the church. And if we're going to stay on track with him, 
we need to communicate with him. And we do that through prayer. So that's, they, they made it very clear, the, the leaders here, they made it very clear the importance of prayer. <clears throat> Next we see the team is built. Okay, the team is built of how they're going. So they started with prayer. Now let's get everybody on board with what we're going to do. And we're going to get everybody put together of if, who's going to do what. So the team is built. Acts chapter 1, verses 23 through 26. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, uh, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether these two uh, thou hast chosen, that he may take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own people. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles." So basically what they're doing here is obviously they're filling the hole that was left by Judas, right? Judas betrayed Jesus, uh, and then he eventually hung himself. And so they're filling this hole that was left by Judas so that they're kind of a whole group as Jesus had built them before. Now, what I love about this is we don't see necessarily in this passage their reasoning of, okay, why do we need to get back to 12? Uh, you know, is, is 12 the, the right number? We have to have 12. Uh, but what I like about this is they're probably looking at their situation and say, Jesus put 12 of us together. Jesus thought 12 was a good number. That's a good enough number for us. Let's get a 12th guy. And so just, just kind of following the, the example put forth by Jesus. And that's what they're doing. They're making sure. And as they do this, what are they doing again? They're making prayer another focal point. They, they basically bring two guys together, kind of like these are the two finalists of who's going to fill that last spot. And they kind of prayed to God, make it obvious to us show to us who it is that is supposed to fill this spot okay and then as, as they they went to god for that wisdom and then they all kind of kind of voted on it and it came out to be matthias but i love how as they're doing this again they bring it right back to prayer okay well we have to fill this empty spot let's do that we got these two guys let's make sure that this is on board with what god wants how do we do that we communicate to god through prayer and so it's so cool seeing all these things that they're doing the how, how they continually go back to prayer they continually go back to God for wisdom. They continually seek his wisdom and his guidance in order to fulfill the mission. Now, it makes sense, right? That's logical to do that. This is the guy who gave us this mission. We should probably continually go to him for guidance as we do it. Now, if you're somebody who likes to kind of, uh, you know, you, you give somebody a task to do and expect them to kind of take it and run with it, uh, that might not have been something that you would have enjoyed. Be like, I told you what to do, just, just, just figure it out. But no, they're actually doing what Jesus would have liked them to do because he acknowledged that they're going to do this through the power of the Holy Ghost. So the fact that they continually go to him for wisdom, they continually go back to him for guidance, they're doing what he, he wanted them to do. But we see throughout this passage that from the time they received their mission, the leaders of the first church, the disciples, uh, they knew that going forward, prayer needed to be the top priority. That needed to be kind of their, their number one tool that they were going to use as they went forward. And no matter what it was that they faced, no matter what came their way, as they were fulfilling this mission of taking the gospel all over the world, that they needed to continue to go back and use prayer as their foundation. And so it's so awesome that, that they started with prayer. And if you read throughout the entire book of Acts, uh, you're going to see that continually that kind of theme come back up and up over and over again of, of how they're praying. And we're not going to get to it today, but there's even a point where Peter's in prison and the church is praying for him to get out of prison. And they're praying so hard that Peter's out of prison and he's on the door at the door at the church knocking, wanting to get in. And they come to the door, focus on prayer, focus on God, I guess, say, hold on, we're praying for Peter to get out of prison. We'll, we'll deal with you in a minute. That's how focused they were on prayer, right? Now, it seems a little bit oblivious to that was Peter at the door. But the fact that they, they were so focused on prayer and so focused on, on going to God that that was able to happen is so awesome. It's, such kind of, it, it's a funny story, but it's also a really encouraging uh, example of how important prayer is. So that's what we see the, the, the first, in Acts chapter 1. We see the foundation of the church being laid. We see the, the, the leaders being uh, leaders and using the foundation of prayer to begin the church. Now we're going to move to Acts chapter 2. All right, Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be now. We're going to start with the first four verses in Acts chapter 2. It says there, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. 
And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like of, as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is what Jesus told them was going to happen. Was going to happen. He said, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And once that happens, you're going to be able to fulfill this mission that I've given you. And we see that happening. So here in chapter 2, we see that the Spirit moved and the church grew. Okay, as we go throughout this chapter, we're going to see how the church grows and see how God was able to use the leaders and use Peter to help the church grow. But again, it was all through the power of the Holy Ghost working through these, these uh, leaders of the church. So verses 2 through 4, we see the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Again, this is what Jesus told them right before he ascended. Once the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you will be able to do this. You will be able to go and take the, the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And here's where we see it happening. The Spirit comes upon them. And what I really like about this passage, about what happens here, is that there's a visible difference, right, between from when before the Spirit came upon them and after. It says they have, uh, there came a sound from heaven and rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. Verse 3, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. I'd say that's a pretty different appearance from before when the Holy Ghost came upon them. They have this, this fire on them. Okay, that's a physical, obvious appear, difference in their appearance from before and after. And we talked about a couple of weeks ago that there's a, there should be an obvious difference in our lives in, in how we carry ourselves and how we live each and every day from before we know Christ and after we know Christ. Once we've accepted that gift of salvation, there's this there should be this immediate change. If it was a genuine conversion, if it was a genuine confession of our sins and repentance, and we truthfully accepted the gift of salvation, there is an immediate change. And that immediate change, yes, begins in our heart, but it should overflow to our actions, just our appearance. When people look at us, they see how we act. There should be an obvious difference where they say something's different about that person. Something's different about them, and I'm not sure what it is. And guess what? That's an opportunity for us to share the gospel with them. When there's such a clear difference and it kind of confuses them, and they're like, what's the deal? What's going on with you? And you get to share the gospel with them. And we're going to see here in a minute how Peter does exactly that. But there should be that visible difference in us from when we accept Christ, uh, from before we accept Christ to after we accept Christ. I want to read real quick uh, a passage in John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Says there a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. So if we're followers of Jesus, we should love one another as Jesus loved us. How do we know how Jesus loved us? We've understood and accepted that gift of salvation. So when we've accepted that gift of salvation, we're saved. We are now a follower of him. We've experienced that love of Jesus. And then Jesus says, we are to take that and love others, love each other as he loved us. And that's how they're going to notice the difference, how we love people the way that Jesus would love other people. Now, obviously, sometimes we allow ourselves to get in the way. We allow our flesh to get in the way. It's not always going to look great. It's not always going to look perfect. But again, that's where we got to let the Spirit work, work through us and not do it on our, in our own ability. But that's how people tell the difference from us and those who are not saved, is there's that visible and clear difference that happens uh, when we come to know Jesus. Sure, this morning, and we're going to read right now, we're going to read where Peter speaks. Okay, so this is just after this, this happened where the fire has come upon them. There's a visible, obvious difference. And Peter, he kind of sees an opportunity. Okay, and I want to, the reason I want to read this entire chunk of scripture is there's just so much truth in it. And it's awesome how in a short amount of time, Peter did such an amazing job of sharing just the story of the gospel, the message of the gospel. How did he do that? Because the Holy Ghost had come upon him. So uh, Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 14. It says, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing is it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, 
saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in, these, in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord to, of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with my countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh... He would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which we now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes by thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. So, that, that's pretty awesome how Peter did that. How he, he saw this difference... He saw that the people who, who didn't have this happen to them, didn't have the fire come upon them, they were probably looking around confused, like, what's going on? And, and, and now they're, they're kind of talking, they're speaking. What, what is the difference? What is going on in front of us? Why are these people acting this way? And so Peter noticed this, and we talked a couple weeks ago about looking for and being aware of opportunities to share the gospel whenever. And I had mentioned how you know some of us might know, or maybe some of us are somebody who in any situation, are, are really good at just starting a gospel conversation with somebody. In, no matter where you are, no matter what environment, you can find a way to start a gospel conversation with somebody. And I think Peter is one of those people. Uh, from this example, and we're going to see another one in chapter 3 real quick, but Peter, he saw that there was confusion among some of the people, and he's like, I'm going to explain this to them, and I'm going to use this to share the gospel with them. And as he was sharing the gospel with them, he knew his audience as well. He knew that these were people of Jerusalem, these were Jews, and so now he's referencing uh, the prophets. He's referencing David. These are people that they would have known, their writings. He would have, these people would have known what he's talking about. So he sees that they're confused, that they're noticing a difference. I'm going to use this to share with them. How am I going to share with them? I'm going to make a connection to them. I'm going to connect with their past, with their culture, and I'm going to use that to share the truth of the gospel. And that's what I mean why, you know, why I wanted to read that entire passage there is because it's so awesome how Peter, in that short amount of time, he saw an opportunity and he saw how he was going to be able to do it. But again, how did he do this? He did this because he had the power of the Holy Ghost working through him and because, as we've already seen throughout the first chapter and a half of Acts, 
that he continually went to God in prayer, that prayer was his foundation. So here we see Peter speaking, and he, he's talking to the, the people. He sees the, dif- he sees the difference, uses that to share the gospel with the people. And us as Christians, us as the church, we should be, again, aware we should be looking for these opportunities to share the gospel with people. We should be looking for the opportunities as the church. How can we serve the community around us so that as we serve them, we're able to make that connection with them. And as we make that connection, we share the truth of the gospel with them. That's what Peter did here. He saw the opportunity. He saw how he was going to do it. And how did he do that? Because he'd been connected with God. He, he had the Holy Spirit and he was seeking God's wisdom through prayer. As we go out and serve the community around us, and then that overflows eventually to the rest of the world. If we continually seek God's wisdom and his guidance by going to him in prayer and submitting to the power and the will and the work of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see amazing things done, and we're going to be able to be a part of that. We're going to be able to see God use us individually and as a church. And how, again, we do that by, first of all, being aware, having our eyes open, asking God for these opportunities, but also being aware when these opportunities come along. Because sometimes we, you know, an opportunity can come along, and we're convinced this is somebody God wants me to share the gospel with. And for whatever reason, we might hesitate. We might not want to do it. Maybe that person's in our Samaria. Whatever it is, sometimes we, we, we might not want to do that. But we need to seize these opportunities because, again, this is the mission that God gave us, to advance the gospel, to make disciples. And he equipped us with the things that we need to do that, the power of the Holy Spirit and being able to communicate to him through prayer and through his word. Now, what, what was the result of this, this message that Peter gave? Let's pick up again in verse 41. It says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and all had, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So here we see many were saved as a result of this message that Peter Peter shared. He saw the opportunity. He shared the gospel. Many were saved and the church grew. Okay, But again, we see here after that, after verse 41, when that 3,000 were added, it says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They, prayer remained that pillar, remained that foundation that they did everything on. They came together. They, there was unity among these people. It says daily they continued to do these things. They continued to come together, continued to, to learn and teach the doctrine. They continued to pray, and they were doing it together. I mentioned before, there's all different kinds of philosophies of how you should, you know, run a church. Um, aside from, you know, obviously the, the, the mission that we're supposed to do, but as far as structure of certain things. And there's so many times when just because there's a different name on the sign out front from our building and another one, th- there can be kind of fighting and, you know, kind of disagreement. And maybe not even fighting or disagreement, but just no interaction whatsoever. They're over there doing their thing. We're over here doing our thing. But we don't see that in the Bible. If they are a Bible-believing and gospel-preaching church, they're on the same team. We need to be unified with them so that we can, again, as God, as Jesus gave that mission, to take forth and fulfill that mission. And we see that they're unified here. And again, that mission of prayer was their very top priority. And what I love about this is we see that they, you know, none of them were willing to make themselves more important than somebody else. They all, they gave up their possessions. They sold things and it was for the, the, the growth of the church. And we see all these things, again, they were done without, you know, our modern capabilities of how we can do church. They, again, they were able to do it. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, that house that Jesus went and ended up healing that, that crippled man. The reason that those people were there, that house was so crowded, they couldn't get in the door. They weren't there because of how they did church or whatever. They were there for Jesus. And that's what, that's what the church here is doing. Jesus, or Peter just gave them Jesus. Okay? He just gave them the story of the gospel, and we see that grow. And they, they were giving things away. They were selling things away and helping people. And they were doing this all together, and they were doing it with 
with unity and with, with prayer as the foundation. So we see even as their numbers grew, they remained true to the original mission. They remained true to the foundation of prayer because that's another thing. As we see numbers grow in church, it can be easy to kind of slip away from the original mission because now we've put pressure on ourselves of, well, we've seen some growth here. How are we going to continue to do this? Do we need to add this thing? Do we need to add this program? Do we need to add whatever? But we need to understand, looking here, how did, how did this church grow? How did the numbers grow here? It was simply through giving the message of the gospel. We need to, again, trust in the power of Jesus to save those and to draw people in. And so, they, again, they did this with just prayer, unity, and focusing on the message of the gospel. So now we've gone through Acts 1. We've seen how kind of the foundation is laid. We've seen in Acts 2, we see how the church grew with that foundation and with Jesus being the focal point. Now we're going to see as that church grows that they, they remain rooted in, in the power of the name of Jesus. That's what we're going to see in Acts 3. We're going to see the power in the name of Jesus. And the reason that they were rooted and so focused on trusting in the power of his name is because they were in constant communication with God. They are in constant communication by praying to him. So Acts chapter 3, we're going to read the verse 16 verses, uh, and then we're going to kind of break it apart. It says here, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. Again, Peter, he's seeing an opportunity again here. Verse 5, And he gave heed unto them, except expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he that, which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the, in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by your own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in, in his name through faith in his name both made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So, real quickly, it was the power of God in the name in the name of Jesus that healed this lame beggar. Now, again, there's two instances in this passage that we just read where Jesus, or I'm sorry, Peter, he saw something. First, we see Peter saw this lame man, this beggar. He was, you know, asking for, for money. Peter saw this as an opportunity to serve. He saw, okay, this is an opportunity where we can use the power of God. We can use the power of the Holy Spirit in us to serve this man by how it, having God heal him. So he saw an opportunity to serve. And then after that happened... This man was healed. Everybody recognized that's the guy from outside that couldn't walk before. Now he's jumping around and praising God. And so they obviously drew to that. They saw it. They wanted to see what was going on. And so Jesus, or Peter saw the opportunity to serve. And then out of that service came the opportunity to share. Okay, we see the second place where he sees he saw the opportunity to share the gospel. And that's what he does. And so he saw the opportunity to serve. He saw the opportunity to share. But when he's serving the, the beggar, what I love is verse 6. Verse 6, he says, silver and gold have I none. He's asking for money. I don't have any. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So Peter is saying, I don't have anything to give. But I actually have everything to give to you. Because Jesus is everything. 
We can have everything that we have, all of our physical possessions, everything that we know taken away from us. But if we have Jesus, we have everything that we need. So I love verse 6 there. He says, listen, I don't have gold or silver, but what I have, I'm going to give it to you. And it's way more valuable than what you're even asking for. So I love verse 6 there. But again, Peter made sure that the people knew whose power healed the man. He didn't say, yeah, you see what I did over there? No. He says it was very clear. It was definitely God's power, the power of Jesus that healed this man. And so he saw the opportunity to serve. He saw the opportunity to witness. And it was the power of God in Jesus' name that, say, or that, that healed him. And it's the power of God in Jesus' name that is going to save those who repent. If we were to read on in the rest of this chapter, we see, okay, he, he explained how it was that he healed this man. And then he does what he did in Acts chapter 2. He shares the gospel again. Verses 17 through 36 is where he, sh- or I'm sorry, 17 through 26, he shares the gospel again to these people. Okay, and as we read, uh, he, he again, he just tells them the truth. He tells them the truth of the gospel. He says, what you saw over here, this, this thing that you were able to see, this was done by the power of Jesus. Now let me tell you about what Jesus did for you. And so it's so cool how he, he's just aware. He's looking for these opportunities to serve, and then he sees how these opportunities to serve overflow into these opportunities to share. Now, as we, as we go throughout this passage, we, Peter, he goes on, he tells them that, that they're ignorant, but they didn't know any better that what they were, that they were sinners, right? Some, so many times uh, when we're sharing the gospel with people, you might hear somebody say, well, I, I'd never heard this before, which is kind of uh, crazy to think about because even as I was growing up, um, going to church in America wasn't that foreign of a concept. Right. People understood what church is, what church was about and things like that. Um, But now we're we're so far away from that where it's not uncommon to run into somebody around town or wherever and say, I've never heard of this. And you'd be like, what are you talking? Like, how how is that you've never heard of this? But that should be a reminder of why we need to be sharing. Um, But so Peter, he goes on and he's telling them all these things that happened, all these things that Jesus did. They were prophesied. So, again, he's making that connection to what they know. And he's saying that even though you were in your transgressions, even though you did all these things, also before when he was talking about how God healed him, healed this lame man, he's talking about Jesus and said, you guys decided to let a murderer go free instead in order to kill Jesus. He kind of threw in a little bit of a guilt trip there, but he's pointing out, but again, you, like you did that because that it was prophesied that Jesus would be betrayed, that Jesus would have to be killed, that a murderer would walk free in, in his place. And so he's saying, listen, you didn't know what you were doing. You were part of the fulfilling of the prophecy. And he's making that connection to them. And he says, in spite of that, in spite of the fact that you've sinned your whole life, you can still be saved. And that's the same for us. Just no matter what we've done, no matter what our past looked like, we were able to be saved if you've accepted that gift. If you haven't, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are, who, how you've lived, you can still be saved. So we as the church must recognize the power in the name of Jesus, and we should live, minister, and serve in a way that reflects that. And so how, again, how are we to actually fulfill this mission? How am I supposed to be able to take the gospel to these people and, and you know, speak it to them so where they understand? And it, it, again, it's all through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as I'm doing that, every step of the way, I need to be seeking God in prayer, looking for his wisdom, for his guidance as I do it. So to kind of wrap all of this up, how are we going to apply this to, first of all, our lives individually? Because as followers of Christ, we're all individually part of the church. And then how do we then, as the church, apply this, what we saw in the first three chapters here in Acts, uh, going forward? So first of all, really just to follow through with the mission that Jesus gave in Acts 1.8 in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, to follow through with that mission given to the church as it was given, let's look again to the example of the first church, the, the forming of the church. Because why, why? Because the leaders of the first church, they made prayer a top priority. It's very clear that that was the very first thing they did after Jesus left. And then we see it repeated all throughout every step of the way. So they made prayer a top priority. They trusted in God to grow the church and not in their own ability, in their own words, in programs and whatever. They trusted in God to grow the church. Let's just share the truth of the gospel and trust God to grow the church. And they believed in the power of Jesus' name. 
They believed in the power of Jesus' name. In all of these areas, it's so cool that in the fact that they prayer was the foundation, trusted God to grow the church, and they trusted in the name of Jesus, they're recognizing and admitting that we cannot do this on our own. We can only do this through the power of God and the Holy Spirit working through us. We don't have to trust in our own abilities and our own, our own talents, our own power to fulfill this mission. Jesus sent the, the, the Holy Ghost, sent the Holy Spirit in his word, and we can communicate to him and through, through prayer. That's how we're able to fulfill this mission. So if we are truly to be the church, individually and corporately, if we're truly to be the church, we must understand the power of prayer Trust in God to grow the church and trust in the power of Jesus' name. So as, as, as we went throughout the, the first three chapters in Acts this morning, and again, like we just happened to cut off in chapter three, we could continue to go throughout the book of Acts and see all the different ways that God continued to work, that he continued to use the people here. And these are people who, again, these weren't any like special people. Yes, they, the, the disciples, they spent time with Jesus daily. But Peter, we can look back at Peter's life and see all different areas where he was not the perfect example, right? We saw where he took his eyes off Jesus walking on water. We saw how he got a little, a little excited and cut a guy's ear off. We saw how he, you know, wasn't that great at, at holding his tongue. He would say things. But we see all these things where, where in just the first three chapters where he's kind of leading and he's, he's showing that example. And it's not in his own ability. It's not in his own power. It's, he's allowing God to work through him through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to have a time of invitation. And I pray that as we spend this time of invitation and time in prayer, that, you would, uh, that we would all take kind of a, a look at ourselves. Am I, personally, am I personally living as I should be, as part of the church? Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Uh, am I personally living how I need to be as I am supposed to be a part of the church. Because we've all been called as followers of Christ to be part of that, that unified church. And then secondly, what are we doing, not as North Goodland, but as a church in, as a whole, what are we doing to continually advance that mission, that, that gospel that we've been given to, to advance to the world? Dear God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for a church like this where prayer is so foundational and, and we, we seek to put your will before our own. And I thank you for the leaders and the volunteers in, the ch- in this church that are all on board uh, with that mindset, God. And I pray that we would continually, going forward, that we would continue to have that same mindset, that we can't do what you've called us to do. We can't do anything on a day-to-day basis without going to you first in prayer. So God, I pray in that aspect that we would look to the example of the the first church. We would look to the example of the leaders in the first church and continue to make prayer the foundation going forward, that we would continually, everything goes back to you. And God, I pray that as we we follow through with that mission, continually seek your wisdom in prayer, that we would also also just trust in you, that you're the one who's going to grow. We are just called to take that message to people throughout the world. And, and God, there's, there's been so many examples, so many times where we've seen in this church, in this community, we've heard from missionaries coming back where we've seen you do so many amazing things that if we thought about it with our own human minds and we, we, we tried to attack it with our own abilities, it never would have been done. We've been seeing so many amazing things and we thank you so much for that, God. And I pray that we would continually submit to you so that we can see you work through us not to bring glory or praise to ourselves, but to bring all glory and all attention back to you, God. I pray if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, who, who they were like that group of people who saw the change in the people and they were confused, I pray that they would come to know you, God. I pray that you would just, just work on their heart, that they would come to know you as their personal savior um, so that they can, they can be on board going forward with, with this mission of the church that you gave to take the gospel to... Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I pray that we would do each and every day, that we would be aware, we would have our eyes open, and that we would be willing to to look for these opportunities to serve, and that we would serve in those opportunities. And as we do that, that we are looking and aware for opportunities to share the gospel with people. pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and, and, and sing with the praise band as we spend...